to the Her Influence podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Her Influence podcast. I am your host for today, Kathy Ostapchuk. Excited to have you with us today. I will be with Alice and Allie having a great conversation, not only about the pandemic, but how the pandemic has affected those living in poverty all over the world. And Allison Alley is no stranger to gather. She was originally on our platform the very first year we launched and just gave such a moving and compelling message of her personal call to move out of the marketplace from a business world into the world of nonprofit. And now she is the president and CEO of Compassion Canada. And if you don't know about Compassion, it's a global development organization based in London, Ontario, that exists to permanently end child poverty in all its forms. Wow, that's a huge dream. She holds a Master of Arts in Global Leadership with an emphasis in International Development and Urban Studies from Fuller Theological Seminary. And Allison also has a Master of Business Administration from Ivy Business School. Allison and her husband, Tommy, live in London, Ontario, and they have two daughters. So what you're going to hear today, first of all, is Allison Alley's message that she brought to all of us at our recent conference, A Seat at the Table. And we heard from many listeners at that conference that they were greatly impacted by her message. This is one of the things she said. The pandemic, COVID-19, is a virus that knows no borders. And even though we are all in the same storm, we are not all in the same boat. And so true. Broken systems, structures, and societies, entire people groups lack agency, access, choice, an opportunity. And I think Allison reminded us all that we may be part of a select privileged few, even though the pandemic has hit us and some of us very hard, we've still had access to opportunities and resources that haven't been available to the world's poor. So excited to be partnering with Compassion for this season of the podcast. Last podcast, I said to go to compassion.ca gifts and dive into their gift catalog and the things that you can do just by investing and purchasing something there. I would encourage you even at this date to purchase an e-gift card. You can do that all the way up to uh, Christmas and make some good use of this time of year to spread some love. So want to have you give a listen to Allison's message from A Seat at the Table, and then we'll be back with you later. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Allison Alley, and I'm the president and CEO of Compassion Canada. Compassion is a global child development organization that exists to end poverty in all of its forms in the lives of kids and their families. And so in the second week of March of this year, you know, the week before the world as we knew it changed. I was in Bolivia spending time with our frontline church partners, with our staff and volunteers, And one day I was having lunch with a woman named Maria. Maria was a a mother of children, and she was also a volunteer in our child survival program, a program that exists to ensure that babies survive the most critical early days, weeks, and months of their lives. And in this context, to ensure that the often young teenage or pre-teenage mothers survived as well. And so Maria was telling these stories of getting calls in the middle of the night as these young girls go into labor, or calls at all hours when babies are sick and her working to remind these young girls of how to care for their children. And as Maria was talking, I was reminded that she was raised and lived in the same context and community of those around her. You know, and and as we were talking about this, 
Maria spoke to that directly and said, you know, I may have been raised and still live in this community and in this context, but yet I have not faced and don't face today the same challenges of these people around me. And she went on to articulate a few reasons why, you know, that she had the opportunity to get a decent education, which for her meant a little bit more than primary, that she was able to create uh, an income for herself, create work for herself. She articulated being introduced to the life-saving and life-changing person of Jesus and being invited into a local church community where she was known and loved and protected, which in part compelled her to know and love and protect others. For Maria, she recognized that she had been given much and that compelled her to steward what she had been given, whether it was her time or her talents or her resources on behalf of those who had less or unique challenges to face. You know, a couple days later, I headed back to Canada, not really knowing at the time what I'd be confronted with there. And a few days after that, our borders indeed shut down across the country. Our staff were being sent home and we were beginning to understand and grapple with the prolonged and the profound impact of COVID-19 on the work that we do and on daily life as we knew it. Compassion Works in 37 countries across low, middle, and high-income economies. And we experienced almost overnight that this pandemic impacted every context, every community and country that we worked in. It was most definitely the virus that knows no borders. And yet something that I heard at the time and I've experienced since is that while we're all in the same storm, we're definitely not all in the same boat. You know, and this has been our reality since sin entered the world, that you and I and our ancestors have been broken people in broken relationships with God and ourselves and others and the created world around us, creating broken systems and societies and structures where things like extreme poverty and systemic injustice can exist. Systems and structures and societies that mean that certain individuals or entire people groups lack agency, access, choice, and opportunity. And if you are like me and you've been able to walk through this pandemic and to uh, isolate and to stay home, to social distance, if you've been able to earn an income while you're doing that or to receive government supplements then you are part of the select privileged few who has been given access and resources and opportunities that aren't afforded to the world's poor. In fact, those kids and families who live in extreme poverty are, um, you know, are facing this crisis with a magnified sense of risk and fear and uncertainty. For them, without safety nets or safety boats, their very survival is on the line when a pandemic like COVID-19 hits. You know, um, they're not able to have basic hygiene and supplies. For them, those are seen as luxuries. Social distancing is a non-starter for the vast majority of them in light of how cramped their living conditions are at home or their community, most definitely if they live in a slum. Kids are unable to go to school and access not just the education, but the resources that they have available there. And many families that live in extreme poverty are day laborers, which means if they don't leave their house every day to earn an income, they're unable to put food on their table at night. And beyond that, my friends in this industry, you know, and and global development experts are talking about the anticipated ripple effects of this pandemic for the world's poor. Not just an increase in hunger and starvation, but an increase in preventable diseases, an increase in violence and abuse against children and women, and an increase in extreme poverty for the first time in decades to the tune of 70 million people. Yes, we are all navigating and experiencing the same storm, but we are not all in the same boat.
And just like Maria said, we may even live in the same community and context as others, but not be experiencing the same challenges and circumstances as them. And I believe at a conviction level that God is calling us to step out in faith and in confidence and to step up to the need and the opportunity to be the church and to care for the needs of the most vulnerable around us. You know, the world in Jesus's time, the Roman Empire, was known for poverty and injustice. And so when Jesus came proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God, it was a kingdom of inclusion and freedom and justice and equality and compassion. Jesus didn't just meet the needs of the sinners and meet the spiritual needs, but he overextended to meet the needs of the sick, the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the outcast. The early church Follow Jesus' example, not just meeting in large gatherings at the temple courts, though they did, not just meeting in a smaller community and sharing meals with one another in their homes, though they did, but they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need among them. In fact, this collective care and compassion for the needs of those around them was what defined Christianity in the first and second century. About 100 years after the book of Acts was written, there was an epidemic that devastated the Roman Empire. You know, sickness and disease ran rampant for about 15 years. A century after that, another epidemic, this time killing an estimated 5,000 people a day. As you can imagine, these two realities changed the cultural landscape of the Roman Empire and amidst the, the fear and the unknown and the sickness and the disease, it was one population's response that stood out. One population's response that uh, grew in impact and in influence. And that was the Christian church. The church that took seriously Jesus's words in Matthew 25 to prioritize the needs of the least of these. That when someone around them was hungry, they would give them food. When they were thirsty, they'd give them water. When they needed clothes, they would clothe them. And when they were sick, they would look after them. So as I sit in the paradox that is this season, and I feel it every day, the paradox of, of the loss and yet the life and the hardship and the hope and the obstacles and the opportunities. I am looking ahead with both the stark and the unfathomable reality of the devastating and disproportionate impact of this crisis on the world's most vulnerable but also with this unwavering resolve to see the church in Canada and the church around the world be the church, to be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus to their neighbors and their neighborhoods, to join God in advancing his kingdom and his mission of compassion and justice to bring lasting healing and help and hope to those who desperately need it. In fact, at Compassion, we have the privilege of having a front row seat to see the church at work around the world. In fact, we often see ourselves, by God's grace, as a bridge between the resourced and the under-resourced church, allowing them not just to exchange resources, though that's critical, but to exchange relationships so they can, they can grow together and grow in influence and impact in a way that they could just never do on their own. I'm telling you, the church is alive and well in Canada and around the world. Our church partners in the context of extreme poverty in particular have been knowing and loving and protecting and serving the needs of their neighbors long before this crisis. They're doing so today through the crisis, and they will continue to do that long after the crisis. They know the names and the faces and the needs of their community. They know their context, 
and they have the calling and the capacity and the credibility and the proximity to step up with courage and conviction and compassion to ensure the health and stability of those in their own backyards. And they're doing exactly that. They're working to ensure that families and the most vulnerable kids have access to food and to hygiene and to water, to medical care, that that child protection is being prioritized and that through it all, the emotional and mental well-being and the spiritual nourishment and discipleship and growth of these kids and families is being prioritized at every turn, no matter the cost. The church is being the church. And so the question is, how might God be calling you to step out of your boat with trust and with confidence and to step in to the needs of those around you with courage and with compassion to prioritize the most vulnerable needs of your neighbors in your own backyard and around the world? I want to leave you with some words from eight-year-old Shanice, who lives in Kenya's Mathari slum, a young girl who bravely comforts her teddy bear and endures a situation that no one should have to face. I pray that you will not miss the staggering bravery and resilience of this young girl and the role of her family and of the local church in instilling that stability and resilience and care and love. And may it also move you to ask God how he is calling you uniquely to be the church, to step out and to step up to meet the needs of your neighbors. God bless. What a great reminder that was for all of us, that inclusion, freedom, justice, compassion, that this is the kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. And how we remember that at this time of year more than ever is significant. Jesus overextended to meet the needs of the poor, oppressed, marginalized, and outcast. And that overextension is something that we're not normal to do, uh, normally used to doing <laughs> in our uh, first world country. Uh, we like to be comfortable, but compassion and Allison's message is cause, calling us all to overextend out of our comfort. Remember that first anxious moment of the COVID-19 lockdown when people were stocking up essentials and didn't know what would happen in the days ahead. If you're like me, I was at the store buying toilet paper, paper towel and sanitation wipes, everything. But for many people living in poverty, that feeling of uncertainty is always there, especially now. So when you purchase a gift of compassion from Compassion Canada's gift guide, you're meeting a real need that exists in the real life of a child or a family living in poverty. Gifts for people like Meseret from Ethiopia. So imagine this, you get home from another futile day looking for a job and there's a padlock on your door. You can't enter your own home because you've been evicted. That's what happened to Meseret. Before the pandemic hit, her income was hardly enough to get by. And because of COVID-19, she lost her job and couldn't afford to pay rent. How would she care for her daughter, Saron? When local Compassion staff learned about the situation, they sprang into action and covered Meseret and Saron's rent for the next six months. This Christmas, you can provide rent assistance for people like Meseret. So I would encourage you all, go to compassion.ca slash gifts to give a gift today. And now let's go into my conversation with Allison and pick up some of the key points from her message. We'll talk to you on the other side. Well, Allison, it's so great and such a privilege to have you live with me on the Her Influence podcast. And we've just heard this amazing recording of your message at a seat at the table. And we actually heard from several people that that was their favorite message. There's not supposed to be favorites, but I have to say (laughs) it was definitely one of mine. I had to listen to it actually a few times. And the beauty in that 10 minutes is that it was rich and so full of amazing truth and very compelling. You 
ask the audience at a seat at the table this question. How might God be calling you to step out of your boat with trust and with confidence and to step into the needs of those around you with courage and compassion and meet the needs of those in your backyard? And I actually would love to hear from your own mouth <laughs> some <laughs> possible ways that I could respond, that people listening could respond. Yeah. Well, first of all, Kathy, it's a joy to be with you and have this conversation today and and praise God that he worked through uh, that message. You know, some of the ways that I often think about, um, you know, categories of response is in the buckets of living, praying and giving. And so, you know, in this season, when I think about living, I've been thinking a lot about a ministry of presence and how paradoxical that can seem through a pandemic where we have to physically distance from from one another, how we might be able to prioritize a ministry of presence. But I think that's really the first call to action for us in our own communities and with our own relationships and who God has called us to walk alongside or brings in our path is, you know, what does it look like for us to overextend to show kindness and compassion to check in and be a listening ear to pray with people to encourage them um you know and and then the next part when you walk with people is to then ask how we can help them practically ask what needs they might have and uh, that's something i've learned really practically through the ministry of compassion that with our frontline church uh partners. They have this proximity and presence to their neighbors and their communities where because they walk with people and they know them, uh, they're able to hear firsthand how they can bless them practically. So I think that presence is is huge. And of course, then, you know, praying with people, praying for people and finding ways to give generously. And whether that giving is directly through those you know, through those you see, whether it's giving an increasing measure to your church who is then, you know, helping to facilitate uh, blessings to people in the community or giving to organizations who are doing local or global work. But living, praying, and giving is a framework that people can use. Uh, That's so very practical. I always believe that we are all created with this uh, why. We, We want to help. We know that it's our human duty to help. We're compelled to do that. We have our why, but we often are searching for the how. And so you've given us three very clear things things that we can do practically. And this proximity, you know, the close, how close can we come to people in a pandemic? And you are saying it's actually possible. I think so. I think it's really quite challenging, but, you know, and maybe we'll get to this a little bit later, Kathy, but you know, this pandemic and this whole idea of what is essential and removing the non-essentials, I think has just made people really clear on things that we once took for granted and how important community and relationship and connectedness is. And I think because there's a starvation for that human connection, I'm finding that people are more open to have those real gritty conversations about how it's really going, what their real needs are, how you can pray for them. Um, So yeah, I think it's an incredible time to work to be in proximity through the distance. Yeah, that this is such uh, this is such great food for thought. How can we come close to people and really care for them? And it's it answers a question too of what one person can can do because sometimes we can feel very helpless. I can't change the whole world, but I can give to an organization that can do the work, and I do my part that way. So the giving, I love that. I love that triangle formula: living, praying, mm-hmm. and giving. You played such a big part in creating Compassion's resource small group study, which was called Eyes to See, and I loved reading that when it came out, reflecting God's world, love to a world in need. What do you think about the time we have to actually be able to do the work he's called us to do? Are we running out of time? Has the pandemic heightened the sense of urgency? What have we been blind to up until now? And how can we see what needs to be seen? Yeah. 
You know, uh, I would not say we're running out of time at all. However, those who listened to my talk hopefully picked up on um, just how disproportionately this pandemic is impacting the most vulnerable and the sobering ripple effect that we anticipate, whether it be hunger or preventable diseases or poverty or violence against women and children. So for sure, there is an urgency that we are seeing now like never before. Um, but, you know, but the whole principle of eyes to see is recognizing the need, of course, to see God, you know, God described as El Roy in scripture, the God who sees. And because he sees, uh, he is a God who loves, a God of compassion, a God of justice. So I think we need to first choose to see who God is and how God is at work through this season in a way that we then won't be overcome by the need and overcome by the challenge, but see that God is working even now, especially now through his church. You know, but another significant part of, of seeing and the principles and eyes to see itself is to really see ourselves and to recognize that, you know, it says in Proverbs that uh, give me neither poverty nor riches, give me only my daily bread. And it's this recognition, as we say, a compassion that the opposite of poverty is not wealth, but sufficiency, shalom, uh, uh, you know, abundance in Christ. And so I think that the opportunity for us continues to be to see ourselves, to see our privilege, to see the shadow sides of our privilege and our wealth, whether it is a poverty of being, so, um, you know, negative self-worth or God complex, a poverty of community and individualism that sets in, uh, a poverty of spiritual intimacy and the fact that we can so easily fend for ourselves, and therefore we don't need to trust God for our literal daily bread like other people. Um, so what I'd love to see in this season is not just our eyes wide open to God and wide open to others, but really to reflect on ourselves and to see where we have need and where God is calling us to depend on him, uh, to, you know, have that trust and dependency on him and to branch out and live in the way of Jesus, as we said already in some ways, in proximity and in relationship and in building unity with other people uh, to advance God's purposes. So the need is there. It's urgent. But I think the opportunity for us uh, to really walk in the ways of Jesus is so strong in this season. Yeah, I love that. And we know that God does his best work in the dark, and he probably really we see him work when we think that the timeline is shortened and he's probably saying this is the best time. And I think of our world now so much like the time when Jesus actually came to earth, <laughs> you know, the first very first Christmas season, this advent, this waiting for him, it was a very dark world. There was yeah. so much injustice, so much class separation, class divide, the religious leaders and the political leaders, uh, lots of abuse in the system. And into this world comes the light of Christ. And here we are. I feel like the situation is so similar. And yet we can see God. We can see ourselves. And perhaps we can see others at, at this time now more than others. Because more than other times. Because we were so busy before. Right? And we Absolutely. are busy. Yes. But focus has definitely changed. Yeah, absolutely. I love the opportunity. So you mentioned that your church partners in countries around the world have showed up with, and this is how you put it, and I love this, staggering bravery and resilience. And I'm just thinking warriors. I'm just seeing mm -hmm. all of these, you know, soldiers and warriors standing up. How can these words apply to the select privileged Hmm. Do we only, you know, like, can we be brave ourselves? What can we do to live out the high calling these words carry? Yeah, you know, Kathy, not dissimilar to what you just described as far as, um, you know, the context that Jesus was born in and how we saw the church um, uh, born as well in that season, commissioned in that season, and, and how we saw the church advance um, 
really in light of the conditions around them and how much of a contrast society they actually were. You know, one of the privileges that I have in my role at Compassion is to be able to see the church at work around the world, whether it be the resource church or the under-resourced church. And so, you know, as far as the resourced church in Canada, I think that we have an incredible opportunity in this season, and we're already seeing the church rise to the occasion in our country. But, you know, the shifting realities of post-Christendom, of post-modernity, we know has moved the church to the margins of society. And this changing landscape has continued to challenge our paradigms and our practices. And I think, you know, we have arguably a generation that is enamored by the person of Jesus, uh, but disillusioned by the institution of the church in some ways because they feel like it's insular and not engaged in the real and practical and urgent needs of those around them. And this presents the opportunity for the church in Canada to be the church, to live out the full gospel, to engage in um, the needs of those around them, the physical needs, the spiritual needs, the social needs, in ways that we've seen before, as I mentioned in my talk, radically transforms lives and society. And I think COVID-19, as I said, like this reawakening that's starting to happen with individuals as far as that human need for connectedness and relationship and the opportunity for the church to meet that need in ways that only Jesus can and to provide entry points into the church by loving and serving. Uh, I think it's an incredible opportunity. That's great. And I love your focus on the church because sometimes we think this has happened to us and this is for the world to wake up, but it's really for the church to wake up and be transformed and be the church. Someone once said that all has been laid bare and we're not really a church that's in exile because we've been quite comfortable here. And so we've been enjoying the, the privilege that we've had quite comfortably of being in, you know, we have all the comforts, all the needs. And now we realize that that's really not where we were ever intended to be positioned to make an impact. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we think about compassion and compassion's driving vision, talk about the long-term goal. Like what is the dream? What is the dream to see someday if compassion could, we would? Mm. Yeah, so, you know, compassion exists to end all forms of poverty in the lives of kids and their families. And so we long to see a world where every child has the opportunity to live a life free from poverty and to flourish in Christ. And in order to get there, you know, we recognize, as I said in my talk, first of all, the complexity of poverty and the roots of poverty, which is, you know, broken people in broken relationships, building broken systems where things like systemic poverty and injustice can exist. And because of that, we are very committed to tackling these spiritual roots of poverty by um, allowing people to understand who they are in Christ and to work to reconcile their relationship and identity with their heavenly father. And then to, um, you know, adjust their understanding of self and the agency and worth and gifts and skills and capacity that they have um, to bridge their relationships with others and with the created world and society around them. And this takes time, Uh, you know, and the recognition of that time is found in one of the phrase we use, which is changed people change societies. And so we work really, really um, in a focused way on investing in the life of a child, believing that that child can impact their family and enough changed families can impact churches, enough changed churches can impact communities and eventually enough changed communities can change entire nations. Um, But we really do believe that it requires us to look at the whole person in their whole context and to walk with them through uh, the seasons and the complexities of life. Yeah, so it's the person over any program, it's the person, and it's the very young person as they're being formed, which is a a beautiful focus. I I love that because the scriptures we read that seem to apply now more than ever, specifically Acts 2.17, is that young men and women 
will prophesy sons and daughters and old men and young men will dream dreams and have visions. And so we need to be able to dream. And I hear the passion in your voice that makes me want to be part of your dream. And I love that again, that God has placed you strategically with compassion for such a time as now and to carry us all on the way to the future, because we want to believe what you believe. And I hear that you believe it. Even in your talk, you know, you said, I believe at a conviction level. And I love that because we can buy into something, but then we can always buy our way out. But when we commit to something, we have skin in the game. And you said, I believe at a conviction level that God is calling us to step out in faith and in confidence and step up to help the church. So what are the seeds of your personal conviction? Mm. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I've been talking about a lot in this season, and I don't know if it answers your question directly, Kathy, but I've been saying to our staff that, um, you know, God has given me this duality of focus in this season, which is on our people and our purpose. And this recognition that these two things are unique, but interrelated. You can't accomplish your purpose without investing in your people um, and walking alongside your people. And you can invest wholeheartedly in, in your people as a leader and have a great culture, but, you know, fail to accomplish your purpose together. And so there is this, um, this need and what's driving me in this season is to say, how can I just love and serve and bless and learn from and listen to as I lead our people? What is the opportunity, um, you know, to pray with one another, to challenge one another, to have a culture of candor, to, you know, have safety, to talk about how we're really feeling, to mourn together, to cry together, to celebrate together. And to do that in a way that is unwaveringly focused on where God is calling us to and our ability to then take that next step together. Um, so that really has been my focus in the season, invest in our people being squarely focused on our purpose so that we in turn can walk forward together. And, um, you know, on a another aspect of that, the way that God has really been speaking to me through this crisis is two principles. Uh, number one, not on your strength, Allison, but on mine. And number two, not alone, but together. And I think that, you know, leader or not, you know, however this applies in your life for all of us, we can start to think that this whole thing, our ability to make an impact is dependent on our strength or know-how or know-how or stamina or intellect. But it is really about our beingness in Christ and walking so close with him and being in tune with his spirit and direction that you are then just used as a vessel for him to accomplish his purposes. And this not alone, but together, I think, especially for leaders, but I think everyone right now can, can feel alone, can feel like they have to figure this thing out alone, but to recognize that God works through community and through relationship. And so our ability to build togetherness and do more together than we could do alone are some of the convictions that I feel in this season as we lead and move forward as an organization. Yeah. And so I want to ask you when your book is coming out that we can read all these things on <laughs> because I'm just making so many notes here. I just feel like when you speak, you are in the slipstream of the spirit. And I guess obedience plays a big role in everything you do, both as a woman, as a mom, as a wife, as a disciple, as a leader. Uh, how how, what does that look like? What does that feel like to be obedient? You know, as soon as you said obedience, the word that actually came to mind was discernment first, because one must discern to be able to walk forward in obedience. And, 
you know, a part of my journey in being called to compassion and then walking through the leadership transition was to build a discerning community around me, uh, a discerning community that has ebbed and flowed over the years. Um, but I've learned certainly in this season just how essential it is to have, first of all, my, my husband and my family that are my main priority and my sounding boards and people who help me keep it real, um, you know, to have other leaders that, um, you know, we can help carry one another's burdens and challenges in unique ways, to have other moms who can talk about the challenge of motherhood, uh, to have, you know, a discerning community at Compassion where we can, you know, and we have principles of discernment too, right? Where we look to the past, we look to scripture, we look to facts, uh, we pray and ask for, you know, clarity and unity in the spirit, and then we walk forward. Um, and so I, I think that that courage and confidence comes from that commitment to discern. And, you know, believe you me, I constantly reflect on Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be discouraged and do not be terrified because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I have been faced with the need to be courageous and brave, being thrust into decision making that I never would have imagined. Uh, but knowing that God is with me, that he equips those he calls, uh, that when we aim to serve our people and accomplish our purpose and do so with integrity, for sure I'm going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. Um, um, but we've got to keep walking forward and learn from our mistakes as we go. Um, no easy task, but those are the, some of the things that I keep in mind. Yeah, that's, uh, again, this togetherness, this sense of belonging. We belong to each other. We're knit together. You know, as people, as as community, and I think that one of the tragedies is when we are isolated, when the enemy can isolate us in our leadership, in our lives, even with not being able to gather as a church during the pandemic, we think that, you know, this is, this is the future, and you're saying it's not. We need community around us, and we do it together. And that's part of what has brought you to where you are now. I remember... In the early days of Gather, about five years ago, we were strategic partners and you were on the Gather stage. And even back then, I was just so fascinated at your call to work with the poor. And, you know, when you say that the goal is to end poverty, I'm with you. I believe it. And I think when you speak it, uh, it can... it it leaves room for it to happen. I'm seeing compassion everywhere these days, and that gives me great delight to see the compassion logo, the compassion vision that is global, just getting more embedded in our hearts and minds. And I keep sponsoring children <laughs> because I can't <laughs> Because, And again, that is the tie that compassion has made between my life and the life of a child. In some other part of the world, you just kind of build that bridge. And I just want to say thank you for leading the way. I have kind of a final question, but maybe a real question before we close. What has it cost you to commit to the work that you're doing? <laughs> oh, Kathy, um, it's cost me a lot. I don't, no one's ever asked me that question, by the way. It has cost me my comfort. Um, it has cost me my privacy. Uh, let me park on that for one second. I'm actually an introvert and um, was really quite content being Allison Alley from St. Catharines that very few people knew, uh, that was aiming to live a life of purpose um, in my own little world. And one of the biggest adjustments for me moving into this role is understanding that more people now know my name and, um, and that I'm put in front of different audiences. And I've had to a walk a path of getting comfortable being in front of other people and um, and because of my love for this mission and my sense of calling to be a part of this work 
to now, you know, in some ways want to step out as much as possible to be used by God and to steward the stories and the children and the work that God has entrusted to us. But it has cost me my privacy in some ways. Um, uh, it, it has cost me uh, time and energy. I, you know, I'll tell you, uh, you know, praise God, he's teaching me a lot in this season, as I said, about leading from a place of being and leading from a place of rest and not feeling uh, like I need to um, um, push so hard and drive things forward on my own, but really can have a contentedness in him. But it is no small task to lead through crisis and to lead in an organization where every one of our stakeholders is impacted, donors, staff, beneficiaries. Um, but I'll tell you, it has been the most rewarding journey of my life and my leadership because this was something that God brought my husband and I together over as far as being advocates for children and the poor. You know, I sponsored a child and took a first step because God convicted me that as a mom, I was, you know, focused on ensuring that my kids had everything that they would ever need and more than they would ever want while ignoring the needs of other children. And then God used compassion before I worked here to, you know, change our hearts and our minds, change our dinner table conversations as the family, change our understanding of stewardship, what it means to steward, not just our money, but our, our time and our talents and our, um, you know, our influence and our relationships. Uh, and through that, God then asked us to walk away from the life that we had built, from my career in the finance industry, from our home, to serve him more sacrificially. And it was in that journey that God shaped me more than I ever could have imagined and shaped me largely through the relationships I had with people who were different than me, different cultures, different race, different socioeconomic status, but who were rich in faith and rich in love and taught me way more about generosity and inclusion and hospitality than I ever knew. And so it has been the most life-giving and stretching season of my life. And I feel a great privilege and responsibility to be a part of leading others on that journey of how God may want to grab a hold of their heart and their mind uh, to impact their lives and the lives of those around them. That's, that's amazing. I mean, we always have to lay something down in order to pick up something greater, but it's not always the greater, easier thing. It's the greater, hard thing. And I heard you say the word call, and I, I do believe that without a call on your life, it would be discouraging to keep, you know, staying and keep, and keep sacrificing. But I do believe that you will be here <laughs> for a long time, um, committed to this call and seeing that you finish strong. And I think, I think it doesn't mean that it's not hard or that we question ourselves on, on the bad days of leadership. Are we leading well? Are we doing enough? But I think the fact that you stay, if you stay, you're doing a good job. That's a sign. Wow. And many are, many are not, many are leaving the leadership game because it's just become so hard in this culture. But yeah. I, I do see you and just want to say that we're praying for you as someone who is, who is carrying a lot, but carrying it with such energy and inspiring passion that I do believe that you'll stay. And we're watching you. Yeah. We believe in you. We believe in compassion. We're just so privileged that God has granted us this relationship that we can encourage each other, especially in these days. Yeah. So Amen. thank you, thank Allison, you. not only for your inspiring message um, at a seat at the table, and also for joining us on the Her Influence podcast. We will be having you back numerous times. There's so much to talk about, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It would be a joy to talk with you again. It'd be great. So maybe we'll wait till 2020 is done. <laughs> <laughs> and in New Year's upon us, and we've had it, we've had a chance to breathe a little bit. But uh, you'll, you all listening, will find out so much more about Allison and compassion in the show notes. And um, listen on to the end of this podcast. We're just so glad that you've joined us. And Allison, God bless you, and Merry Christmas. 
Thank you, Kathy. Merry Christmas to you too. Not only was this a great message from Allison on how to be the carriers of Christ's love, especially in this day and age, but I think very motivating for me when I see global church partners stepping up with courage and conviction and compassion to ensure the health and stability of those in their backyard, it makes me think, I wonder if I should be doing the same thing. And maybe you're wondering the same thing after you listen to Allison. Not only was this a great lesson in philanthropy and how to be charitable this season, but so much great leadership stuff there. So follow Allison um, on Instagram, follow Compassion, and definitely dive into their gift catalog and see what you can do to make a difference in someone's life this Christmas season. There's no better time. Until next time, wishing you God's best and also stay continue to stay with us at Gather. We have amazing things launching for 2021. We have our internship program, our second year, ready to go in January. We've had some great girls and women apply so far. So if you are all interested, go to the Gathering Women website for more information. We are also launching our first membership platform, and we have some amazing presenters every month lined up, amazing material for you to grow in your leadership and also connect with other like-minded women from across the nation. That's happening in January. What can you do in December? You can order a gift from our very own Gather Women gift catalog. And we are remembering her in December. We think December is a great month to remember her. So you can purchase a sponsorship for someone to be an intern with us next year for $300 or for $15 pay for somebody's monthly membership to the Gather Collective or $150 for the year. You can you can purchase a curriculum for someone for $25. There are so many ways that you can stay engaged with us and show the love to the girls in this nation this Christmas with Gather. Well, stay tuned for the next podcast coming up. Excited to share that with you. And as I said before, we are wishing you a safe and even joyous holiday season celebrating the birth of Christ and the peace that his presence brings us. We hope that you take care and and stay engaged with us. God bless everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence Podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations, and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.